will never stop singing his praise. He is indeed worthy. Go ahead and have a seat. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Won't you pray with me? Lord, this is your word. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would have our hearts and have our minds. Lord, that our lives would be completely sold out to you. God, just ask now in this time that you would stir in us a deeper affection for you. Lord, we love you and give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I have a simple question for you. But an important question, I think, the question is this, what is your heart aimed at? What's in your heart? What do you want? What are you preoccupied with? Give you a second to think about that. What's in your heart? What about in your life? What's the aim of your life, the purpose of your life, the goal of your life? Is it to be successful in your career? Or to raise your kids and your grandkids well? To fight for a specific cause of some sort? And, and these, these are good things, of course, uh, in their proper place. But I want, it, I want us to take aim this morning, to think about what we're doing. There's so many distractions in, in life that, that bombard us at every step. We live in a, a media-saturated culture, of course. Online ads, billboards, TV commercials. There are, of course, paid professionals whose sole job it is, is to... Target you. You are someone's target audience. There are people who are competing for your attention. This kind of, this reality makes it so that it's hard for us to focus. It's hard to, for us to, to, to keep in perspective that which is important, that which is most important. Uh, even in a Sunday morning, it can be hard to pay attention. Uh, I'm not above it. And I have a confession to make. I made this confession in the first service, and Pastor's Nick, Pastor Nick's response to it was, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, of course. Uh, <laughs> but the reality is that distractions, uh, I'm not immune to it. Uh, I confessed that in service, I've been guilty a time or two of checking my fantasy football lineups. I'm fired again. And yet I'm still up here. Go figure. Uh, a silly distraction, an unnecessary distraction, but these things get our attention. And, and since we're on distractions and football, we might as well talk about the Vikings game last week. Yeah, yeah. That was a big win. I, I'm not a Vikings fan, as many of you know, but uh, even I can admit that was, that was a pretty exciting game. Uh, but they have another game today. 
And uh, the goal, just so we're all on the same page, is not to win uh, week, I don't know, nine or ten against the Bills, but to win the last game of the year. <laughs> Something that uh, has never happened for the Vikings. Just saying. Just saying. Now that I've lost the whole room, let's take aim this morning, friends. Let's focus on that which matters. In our passage in 1 Timothy 1, I'll give you a second to open up, we find Paul give, gives us a, a mission statement of sorts. He sums up uh, the focus of, of his ministry and for us, too, the focus of our ministry, we're going to see it in the passage. And, you know, we talk about these, these fun things like football and, and, and distractions at the beginning of a sermon, not to add fluff, but, but to draw you in. I, I hope today that you realize very clearly and you hear very clearly that it is my aim and my goal and my objective to proclaim to you Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. The gospel, our hope, grace, mercy, and peace, we read in Jesus' name, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our hope, of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who is our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged upon my departure for Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculations rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Hear this verse, verse 5, but the goal of our instruction, the aim of our charge is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, though they do not understand either what they are saying or matters about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that Law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted." This is a, kind of a heavy passage. In true to his form, the Apostle Paul doesn't pull punches. He, he gets right to the matter at hand. As you read in this, there, there was clearly false teaching, strange teaching, myths and genealogies and legalism that was going on at the church in Ephesus. Paul writes to Timothy, so that he can correct these things, so that Timothy would preach the gospel in its truth and purity, the word of God, the law and the gospel in truth and in purity. The truth of the gospel 
must always be kept before our eyes as the center of our focus because it's the center of our hope. This is so vital, not only for new Christians, but also for maturing Christians. As you can see, we're moving along in our sermon series, moving on to maturity, and and today we flipped over to 1 Timothy. You know, it's funny, I've been asked multiple times, why did you do 2 Timothy before 1 Timothy? And uh, that, that's a valid question. And uh, I've had the thought come to myself, the thought has occurred to myself that, you know, I, I'm just the intern, right? <laughs> I don't make these decisions. <laughs> that's above my pay grade. But the answer to that question is, is that 2 Timothy has a lot of good general truth. Whereas 1 Timothy moves into more specific application. So the thought was to move from the general to the specific. Which, I mean, makes perfect sense, right? I I agree with that decision. But today, of course, we flipped into 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy, as I've mentioned before, Paul gives us a mission statement. A summary of his ministry. We're going to focus in again on verse 5. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is our aim. So beginning with the aim of love. The aim of love. I I find it interesting that Paul's solution, the word of God here, in addressing false teaching doesn't begin with knowledge, rather begins with the heart. We need to deal with our hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. How many churches have adopted this as their motto and and for good reason? You see it plastered on their t-shirts. It's so good to keep our focus and our aim towards love love for our Savior, and also love for our neighbor. But our passage here today says the aim of our instruction or the aim of our charge is love from a pure heart. A pure heart. I don't know about you, but my heart is not pure. I know your heart is not pure. Our hearts are not pure. Jeremiah 7 says our hearts are deceitfully wicked, desperately sick. Who can understand it? We can love with masked ambitions, can't we? Masked motives. There is a dark side to Minnesota nice. You're laughing because you know it's true. An enemy comes with a kiss. Proverbs 27 says. The world might say most people are good, but we know we are not good. Our hearts are crooked. We veer off the path so easily. I like to play golf. I'm not good at it, but every year my brother-in-laws and I, we play golf at the Free Lutheran Bible College Golf Scramble. It's, it's an event set up for alumni. The team is 
uh, four people on a team, and the objective is to play off of the, pers- the best ball. So whoever makes the best shot, everyone else then shoots from that one spot. The idea is that your scores should go down. Well, <laughs> my brother-in-laws and I, as I've mentioned before, are not very good. It's one thing to aim straight. It's one thing to try to hit the ball to the pin. But then it goes over there. It ends up in the woods on the right. It's on the fairway on the, on the right side, for me every time. It's one thing to want to do it. It's another thing to be able to do it. In and of ourselves, we are unable to love from a pure heart because we have a sinful heart. This isn't the first time you've ever heard this or considered this, but it's the reality for us even as believers. We have nothing but crookedness and wickedness in our hearts. And so in and of ourselves, we cannot truly love anyone with the exception of maybe ourselves. So how then do we love from a pure heart? How do we aim for this love from a pure heart that Paul talks about in in verse 5? Well, we have to consider the vertical relationship with our Father. The truth is, we love because God first loved us. Notice the order there. God first loved us. He loved us when we were not so lovable. And and what's more, he continues to love us even today. Can, can I just speak to your hearts for a second? Can I just have your the attention of your heart? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves me, this I know. That's the song, right? We teach it to our kids. But Jesus loves you still today, even very much so today, as much as he ever has. And even after that thing you did, even despite the things you do in the chaos and the pain and confusion and frustration, the hard times of life, all the difficult things, the fading, the failure, the disillusionment. Look and see a Savior who loves you. Who loves you so much. Why do we talk about the cross? Because the cross is the center of our hope. The cross is where Jesus demonstrated that love. And as you see that love that's for you, how then could we not love our neighbor? How then could we not love? But it all stems from the cross. The cross is the bullseye of the target. It's the middle. It's our hope. Only by his love will we love. Aim of a good conscience. This pertains to the cross as well. As opposed to what? A bad conscience, right? A bad conscience is one that that carries the weight of the wrong that's been done. And of course, we've all done wrong. We know this. Those burdens can be heavy. We try to hide it. We put our mask on, our fake face, our I hope so-and-so doesn't notice face. Minnesota nice, right? It's not God's desire that you would carry the burdens of a bad conscience. 
He bore it all. When Jesus, when we talk about Jesus forgiving you of your sins, it means just that. You're, you're actually forgiven. He doesn't hold it against you anymore. That's good news. That's, that's what we're here to celebrate. That's what we're here to be about. This is the gospel. We have a good conscience in Christ because Christ has forgiven us. It's kind of like dealing with a massive financial burden, right? Or a debt. It can be so tiring trying to get out of it, trying to dig out of that hole, trying to scratch and claw to get it taken care of, to get the debt forgiven. Well, I, I would ask you, why, why try to pay the debt that you can't even pay? And what's more, why try to debt, pay the debt that's already been paid? A good conscience is one freed from the burden of sin. This is, this is our hope. This is unique to us as believers in Christ. And, and this is our aim. This is our ambition. So confess your sins both to Christ and to your fellow Christians. You don't have to carry it anymore. Aim for a good conscience. And finally, aim for a sincere faith. Talking about the cross, Jesus giving forgiveness of sins, it is of course by faith and not by works. Paul says in verse 6, for some men straying aside from these things, that's love, good conscience, sincere faith. Straying aside from these, they want to be, they've turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, trying to be legalistic, trying to cover it up, trying to work for it. You don't have to work for it. The law is good if one uses it lawfully. The law shows us that we, we just can't do it. But the gospel tells us that Christ has done it. And that truth remains. Even today. Even for you. Even despite everything going on in your life. This message of salvation belongs to you, friend, by faith and faith alone. But here's the thing. This aim for love for a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Yes, it's for you and for me, but it's not for us only. There's a world out there that doesn't know the truth of the gospel. Do you know someone? Family? Of course you do. Friends, of course you do. Neighbors, of course you do. Co-workers, of course you do. You know people, I know people, we know people who don't have this hope of Christ Jesus. They don't have love from a pure heart. They don't have a good conscience. They don't have faith for the salvation of their souls. Sure, it's possible there's Someone in this room that doesn't have it. To you, I would say, friend, Christ has paid it all. Believe in the gospel. But for us who, who know others, they need to know the truth. Make it your aim, your goal, your ambition to share the gospel with those who don't know.
So what is the aim of your life? Have you ever considered a a personal mission statement of sorts? Might it sound something like the aim of my life is to love from a pure heart and to have a good conscience and a sincere faith and to share the gospel with others. The beauty is that our entire hope rests on Jesus. But Jesus is enough. The common thread of this passage is the grace of God. That grace which I've tried to proclaim to you today is that Jesus loves you. He loved you first. When you weren't and when you still are not so lovable. He's forgiven you. Then and now. We're people saved by faith. Faith alone. Heavenly Father, you're a good and merciful God. Lord, whoever it is that you might be putting on our hearts and minds to to share the gospel with, Lord, I pray that you would open doors for conversations that would lead to the salvation of souls. People who you've died for, who you care for, who you didn't leave to go die eternally. Lord, would you stir in us fresh, a fresh desire to take this message and to share it that some would be one. In all things, Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, and we thank him and pray in his name. Amen.